number two. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, The Pete Callender Show, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110, doing a deep dive on the framework. The framework on the gun control being cobbled together by a bipartisan group of U.S. senators. It's just a framework. See, this is always the problem. When you define, you divide. So as they start defining what shall and shall not be in the actual legislation, you're going to end up with division. People are going to sort of fall away because it's going, they're going to say, oh, I like that idea. And then you put some meat on the bones and like, ooh, I don't like that idea. I didn't know it was going to look like that. <laughs> uh, let me go over here to Dennis and waiting patiently. Hello, Dennis. Welcome to the program. Yeah, I know, Pete. Thank you for taking the call. So I guess like you, fundamentally, I'm okay with these red flag laws. But from what I see, many states already have them, and they're all over the place. So Mm -hmm. who can basically initiate the request? Some allow school teachers to do it. Some allow, like, church officials, some police, some judges. And when it comes to sort of the due process type of thing, it's very much akin to a temporary restraining order. So when a lot of people get divorces for one reason or another, the woman goes in front of the judge. The man's not represented and says, I feel scared. I need a temporary restraining order. The judge is incented basically to protect his job and say, well, what's the harm? If I give it and they don't need it, so what? But if I don't give it, God forbid the gentleman goes over there and attacks or harms a woman. So like 99% of the time, the TROs are granted without any representation of the person who's being accused of the threat. And then they go to their house and they take their guns. And this is the same kind of concept. So a school teacher thinks that, you know, I'm a threat to myself and the society and the guns. And they go in front of the judge. I'm not there. No lawyers there. Not represented at all. And then, boom, it's gone. And the difference, it's all over the map with the states. Right. It's just really a problem in that regard, I think. Right. And what happens if you happen to be going down to the school board meetings every week and uh, railing against CRT and whatever in the schools, right? right? And you're making yourself a general nuisance at the school board meetings and making them uncomfortable. And we heard this during the debates around COVID and the masking and all of that. We heard these school board members, I mean, for crying out loud, they went to the feds to get designation for domestic terrorists. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. So, so what are they going to have the ability to, uh, to set those wheels in motion for red flag laws and for the confiscation of guns. And then, and then, by the way, how do you go and get them back? How do you prove well, that, oh, I'm not going to speak at any more school board meetings? Well, I can tell you because 25 years ago when I got divorced in New Jersey, they went and got a TRO. I was a former Marine licensed to carry guns in New Jersey. Not to carry them, but to own them. You can't carry guns mm-hmm. in New Jersey. They came to the house. They took every single gun. They just throw it in a box with no regard for this is your personal equipment. And then the actual district attorney told me, you know, when it was thrown out, it was never, you know, uh, whatever, they go to court, they just threw it out, no more TRO, no more charges. I go to get the guns back, and the prosecutor told me, I'm going to make this as difficult as possible for you to get it, because that's my personal feeling. So good luck. If you get them, it'll be 6 to 12 months. And then when I did get them, they open up the box, everything's thrown in there and scratched and damaged, and it's it's just really, it's a mess. And, yeah. you know, again, fundamentally, at a high level, it sounds good. You know, I, I'm not so sure that you should be able to walk into a gun show, and if I have a little booth up there that I paid $40 and I sell you three guns and I don't know you from Adam, there's something wrong there, too. But that needs to be fixed. I think that's one of the biggest gaps and holes outside of illegal guns is being able to buy from just 
any little booth when they're having a show in Concord with absolutely no background check whatsoever. So, of course, if I'm on that list not to get one, I'm going to Concord or wherever they have the gun show that week, you know, once a month, I guess. Wait, have you actually done that? No, I have not. Oh, okay, my because all of a- the gun show uh, vendors, uh, the liability is so high. They Those so are they all FFL. Yeah, they're all FFLs. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. But, well, they purport that you can do that. So I was just going right. by that. That's People, the lie. That's the big okay. lie, to quote, uh, to, to use okay. the Democrats' yeah, narrative, the big that. lie, the gun I'm show loophole. Right now, there now, if you're out in the parking lot and you're That's selling different. the gun to someone else and you're if you're interested in, in, you know, selling guns without licenses, if you're if you want to do that, yes, you're going to find a way to do that. It is possible to do that. It is not advisable. And if the gun traces sure. back, you're in uh, a load sure. of trouble. But no, the gun shows, usually they're all FFLs. Well, yeah, again, I just go by what I read. Yeah. And even when you see the arguments against it, you don't really hear that much. It's the first time I heard it, and I keep up on it pretty much. I'm actually pleased to hear that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that people ought to make that a bigger issue to say that you can't do that. And I know all the other exceptions. for So if your farmer buddy wants to borrow your gun to shoot a varmint, I'm not a farmer. I'm from New Jersey. I don't know from these things. But hey, hey, hey. That's the Garden State. I know there are farms up there. I've seen some Jersey. Yeah, there's some up there. There's some farms. Well, so the governor up there actually passed a law. You talk about high capacity and what's defined by. If you have a magazine that holds nine or more rounds, you don't have the gun with you. You don't have a bullet with you. You just have the magazine that's high capacity, quote unquote. You go to jail for that. Yeah. Right. And, and so so to so how do you then enforce that? Right. This is the other question is how exactly are you intending to enforce these these rules. And that's why I said, you know, when when the gun controllers first rose up, it, well, as they do after any kind of uh, mass shooting event, they rise up and they say, you know, we're going to we need to take the guns. We need to, you know, ban these guns, whatever. And, and the question is, all right, tell walk me through how that happens, because there's going to be bloodshed because people are not going to want to disarm themselves to a to a government that they that the reason they got the gun is they are trying to prevent the government from going tyrannical and like evidence exhibit A would be I've come to take your guns like that would be proof positive that the government has gone tyrannical. And oh, so yeah, you'll have to pry my dead fingers off. Right. And so you're going to have bloodshed. So so you're not actually against gun deaths. You're against gun deaths of certain people. You're OK with it being like if you're a Second Amendment MAGA or sorry, ultra ultra MAGA, uh, then then I guess it's okay if, you know, cops gun you down in your own house and Monica points out and kill your dog in the process uh, while they're taking your guns. They're, they're okay with that scenario playing out. Um, right. What's pretty interesting, too, I interrupted one last thing, is uh, way back in World War II, I think the Japanese, somebody came out and said the reason we didn't want to invade mainland America or the Germans, right? everyone's got guns. Yeah. We're probably one of the only countries where people are afraid to invade because they know local people will lock and load and pick up arms and defend their property. It's that simple, and that gives us a certain amount of strength in the world community as well, and that's kind of lost in the arguments, too. But I'll let somebody else go on there. Thank you so Thanks, much Dennis. for taking my call. All right. Bye-bye. Yeah, appreciate it. Have a good one. Um, this is a, a Twitter thread by a guy named Ryan Brown. He's actually running for office in the North Carolina State Senate District, I think, 18. It's up um, uh, east, northeast Wake County, I want to say, Wake Forest area. Um, he had a series on Twitter. He said, friends and family, you know and love are going to die because of red flag laws. And I'm not being dramatic. Red flag laws will instantly become a weapon of anti-gunners. You don't like your coworker? Say he threatened you at work. 
You don't like your political enemy? Send the cops to murder him in his house. Axe to grind with an X? Why, yes, officer, he did hurt me. He said he was going to hurt me. Red flag laws will kill people, period. There's no middle ground with tyrants. The history of gun control laws is filled with racist and authoritarian intentions. Licenses and taxes try to price out the poor. Good moral character laws prevent minorities and political enemies from gaining weapons. Safety is used as an excuse to prevent inexpensive guns. Is there an answer to evil that the government can fix by making new laws? No. Is there a problem they can make worse by legislating more? Absolutely. If anybody claims they know the exact cause, they're lying. Nobody has the perfect fix for every situation. I know good people are prevented from protecting themselves, though. The real solution, he says, is to abolish all gun laws that prevent people from finding the solution that works for them. Nobody knows what the real solutions are, but we know the government is preventing us from finding them. That's why I'm running for North Carolina Senate. Again, uh, he's a candidate. He is a libertarian. So rest assured, he's probably not going to win. I kid the libertarians, but it's kind of true. Talk 1110-993-WBT. It's the Pete Callender Show, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. And uh, you can email Pete at thepetecallendershow.com. Remember, get the podcast as well. Posts three times a day, so three different hours. You know, three hours each hour gets its own podcast. Stripped of the commercials and delivered right to your smartphone or tablet for free. You can actually listen to it and be almost completely caught up. You could start like two hours behind or like an hour and a half behind and almost catch up completely by the end of the show. Yeah. I mean, you got to listen to the third hour live, obviously. But, yeah, you could do that. Eric Erickson, talk show host out of Georgia. He wrote on his Substack about red flag laws. And, again, I am one who went uh, years ago, a couple years ago, I read David French's piece uh, going over red flag laws. And that's the first time I had heard or extreme risk protection orders, ERPOs. And I was intrigued. Right? We're all searching, despite what despite what leftists and gun grabbers think, we all want to see mass shootings eliminated. We all want to see the street crime, you know, eliminated. We we're searching for answers. The difference is our objective is to, you know, not prevent law-abiding people from exercising their rights, their human rights, under natural law to defend themselves and their family. See, this is the thing that's lost. If you're saying that, you know, like up in Canada where they're going full tyranny, you know, like we're going to take everyone's guns, no more guns, and... uh that's a rejection of natural law. What what does natural law teach you about self-defense? You have the right in nature, an animal has the right, quote unquote, to protect itself. It is the natural thing to do. Okay, yes, unless you're a rabbit. Those things, they're weird. Like they will just sit there and get eaten. And then like the predator keeps coming back and taking more of them and they just stay there. I don't know. Whatever. Okay, but aside from rabbits, 
Every animal defends itself. That is a legitimate act to defend yourself from death. So what you're saying is, oh, if you want to defend yourself from death, sorry, you can't use this tool. You'll have to use these other tools. I guess you have to take a boxing. You'll have to, uh, I guess you're allowed to have knives. That's the preferred choice right now for, uh, for criminals in the U.K., Have you ever seen the sculpture made out of all of the knives? Have you ever seen that? There's a, there's an artist in England who, uh, I think it was the, the, the knives that were used in the commission of crimes and he got them and turned them into this massive sculpture. There's a lot of them. Okay. So yeah, you, you're, you're just saying you can't defend yourself using this kind of tool because some bad people have that tool and they use it for bad things too. So I, I was intrigued by the idea. I'm still open to the concept. I have grave concerns about how, they, how the law would be written. And I don't trust, and I'm sorry, but I don't trust people in government to write these laws. I really don't. I don't. Because most of the time... They have so many unintended consequences. And other times they have intended consequences, right? So here's Eric Erickson's take. And I think he was actually open to the idea of red flag laws, but I don't know for sure. But um, he says red flag laws are designed to allow the police, based on a court order, to confiscate the guns of citizens and prevent people from buying guns based on concerns of family, friends, coworkers, or others who have concerns about an individual. I'm deeply concerned that such laws are going to start being used to attack people because of their political opinions. Like, oh, there's crazy Uncle Pete. You know, he was talking about how much he loved Donald Trump, and so obviously he's insane, right? The left has concluded also that words are violence. So if words are violence, doesn't that mean I get to take your gun? He says, I fear red flag laws will be weaponized by partisans over differences of political opinion. Given our present politics, people's willingness to view opponents as enemies and people's willingness to use the state, private enterprise, and the mob to exact retribution on those with whom they disagree, I think we should fundamentally resist a federal red flag law or a federal incentive to embrace red flag laws. It will be abused. Likewise, given we have seen more and more prosecutors refusing to prosecute due to the prosecutor's convictions, their beliefs, I do not think we can honestly trust the enforcement of a provision that would punish those for abuse of red flag laws. This is the other side of it. What do you do when you have people in government that abuse these red flag laws? What then? Right. We've got a we've got we have sheriffs in this in this county and in this state, right? They, our, our own sheriff won't call them inmates. They're residents, right? You've got this kind of dumbassery occurring, and you expect me to trust this system to adjudicate me as sane or not sane, and then I have to turn over all the guns that I actually lost this weekend. It was a fishing accident. It was terrible. It was, I'm lucky to have gotten out alive, but all my guns went to the bottom of the retention pond. So, Sorry. I'm out.
News Talk 1110-993. Sorry, 993 WBT. That's amazing. Got a tweet here from App Patriot Girl who says, That's the craziest thing, Pete. I actually had a fishing accident this weekend, too, and I lost all my guns as well. What are the odds? I don't know. I've heard it. I don't know. We might need to get, like, some uh, federal regulations here on boat safety or something because it just seems like everybody's having the same sort of problem. Very odd. So a group of 20 U.S. senators struck a bipartisan gun safety framework on Sunday, marking a significant breakthrough in Congress's attempts to address recent back-to-back mass shootings. I mean, except, of course, the copycat effect that occurs when you start hyping and publicizing all of it. By the way, just to go back real quick, I started the program off talking about this WRAL survey about uh, how everyone is terrified about getting killed in a mass shooting. You know what they don't ask? And you know what media never examines? Themselves themselves do you guys play any role in this whatsoever and don't tell me you're not aware of the role that you play in moving the culture because that's the point of this survey right the point of the survey to ask people do you want to restrict guns and then oh look at that they say yes and then you rush out and report people want gun restrictions that's to move the culture right you're trying to move the society down this path oh no we're just asking questions and reporting on what people answer well that's not exactly true as i dissected earlier You don't provide the respondents with the information necessary to get informed answers. You ask, do you support more gun restrictions? And if you don't know what restrictions currently exist, then you may say yes. I'm not going to go back over the original hour's uh, contents. You should go get the podcast at WBT.com or the PeteCallanderShow.com. Either way, this is... The fundamental dishonesty, you guys, you know, you're in media, you're advancing a narrative, you're pushing society in a direction. You play a role. You play a very important role in stemming mass shootings. Why don't you examine that? In a Sunday morning statement, 10 senators in each party announced support for a deal. Senator, uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer blessed it vowing to put this bill on the floor as soon as possible. And then President Joe Biden said, "Eh, eh, eh." no, he said it would be great. Sorry, he said it would be the most significant gun safety legislation to look. No, seriously. No, I'm not kidding. Corn pop. The president urged both chambers of Congress to finish the package quickly because that makes for good legislation. We want to do it fast. The emerging package is anchored around Extra scrutiny for gun buyers under the age of 21, grants to states to implement so-called red flag laws, and new spending on mental health treatment and school security. So here's the question. Do you accept do you accept grants for states to set up red flag systems in exchange for hardening of the schools? Do you take that deal? If you're in the Senate, do you take that deal? This is the framework, right? If you're under the age of 18 or under the age of 21, but your, your, your childhood you know, arrest records and that sort of thing would now be part of a background check when you, go, when, when you are legal to buy a gun, 18. The grant to the state to implement so-called red flag laws, but 
and I assume the feds would offer some sort of template, but states, as long as they're, we'll assume that they are free to implement a, a program that they prefer. And new spending on mental health treatment and money for school security. Is that a framework? Do you Would you accept the terms of that framework? Let me go over here to uh, Joe. Hello, Joe. What's up? Well, hello, Pete. How are you? This is your old buddy, Joe. I knew it was. You doing all right? God's grace. I'm, um, I'm really leery of these red flag laws because didn't they have a bunch of them in New York and that guy who shot up the Pops grocery store? And he didn't, he, he, he wasn't uh, flagged or anything. Right. So this is part of the other problem is if you have these systems set up, it's only as good as the information that gets fed into it. And then the actions that are taken based on the information. So you've got you've got opportunities for uh, yeah, for uh, for people to mess up all over the place. Absolutely. Right. And the fact is, it's just another works program for a bunch of bureaucrats. Oh, well, that's, yeah, probably so. Yeah, there's going to be a bunch of people administering the programs. Probably so. Yeah, we're going to need more judges, going to need more courts. Think about the amount of uh, the amount of workload that this is going to put onto the court system, which I think is now completely caught up after COVID. No, uh, it's not. The And so maybe this is, you know, why states would be incentivized to set something up because they'll see the cash at play and they'll take the money from the feds which, as I understand it, the feds are just swimming in all of the extra money nowadays. So Right, exactly. Yeah, Joe, thanks for the call, sir. Good to talk with you. Thank you, sir. All right, take care. Um, Senator Chris Murphy, Democrat from Connecticut. John Cornyn, Republican from Texas. Kirsten Sinema from Arizona. She's a Democrat, although some Democrats don't think that's the case. And then Senator Tom Tillis from North Carolina. They are the four core negotiators, okay? And in addition to the four core negotiators, the legislation is being backed by Susan Collins. I mean, this is sort of like the usual suspects here, right? (laughs) Susan Collins, Joe Manchin, Bill Cassidy, Chris Coons, Martin Heinrich, Richard Blumenthal, Lindsey Graham, Pat Toomey, Roy Blunt, Cory Booker, Richard Burr, Mark Kelly, Angus King, Rob Portman, and uh, Mitt Romney, Debbie Stabenow, and uh, I think that's it. So Portman, Toomey, Blunt, and Burr, four of the the 20, they're all retiring at the end of the year. So maybe they have a bit of an incentive here uh, to sign on to something. This is one of the things... I don't get with uh, with Democrats on the gun control issue. Why not just take one of these things that you know everybody's going to agree to? Why not just take one and move that? Oh, you want the leverage? Is that the idea that if you think so, you got four you got four pillars here for the framework, right? For the four stools or four uh, four legs of the chair, if you will. Okay. Well, if you can't get one of the four, but you could get three or you could get two, or even if you could get just one, if you could get just one of the four, why wouldn't you get just the one? If your objective is to reduce gun deaths, 
And you think these four things will get the job done or will help, but you, you don't have the political support to get them all passed, but you have support for one of the measures. Why not get one of the measures passed? Because it'll help reduce gun deaths. Unless, of course, you're going to use that issue, the one that has the support, you're going to use that in order to get people to support the others. So in other words, you're using it as leverage. And what does that mean? It means that you're using gun deaths in order to advance policy aims. How is that ethical? And how come media folks never ask them about that? They never frame it like that. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Just wait for it. There you go. All righty. So uh, earlier I read the tweet storm. Do they still call them a tweet storm? I don't see tweet storm. I, I, would, I don't understand why. Now it's just called a thread. It's like, I guess that's, I guess that's less triggering. I don't need to, I don't need to like give somebody a trigger warning that I'm about to do a, a thread. A thread is just kinder, gentler. A series of tweets. A tweet storm sounds aggressive. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, Ryan Brown, I read his uh, tweets earlier about the red flag laws. Uh, he was listening, apparently. He said, thanks for reading my tweet uh, uh, on air. And uh, thank you for reading around the typos. Uh, when it comes to boating accidents, though, it says you could always fight gun bans, save the oceans. <laughs> That's right. Uh, righty. So a framework has been constructed by the four core negotiators in the U.S. Senate, Chris Murphy, John Cornyn, Kristen Sinema, and Tom Tillis. And they anchor around extra scrutiny for gun buyers under the age of 21, grants to states to implement so-called red flag laws, new spending on mental health treatment, and school security. But we don't know what the law will actually say. These are just, these are just ideas. Just ideas. Major gun control groups, Everytown USA, March for Our Lives, We're Coming for Your Guns.org. No, I'm kidding about that last one. Um, they praised the deal. Gun rights groups, not so much. Gun Owners of America, Firearms Policy Coalition, they voiced strong disapproval for the package, with the former claiming that Republicans are compromising your rights and getting nothing in return. The NRA praised the effort to boost school security and mental health funding, but said it would not take a final position until text of the proposals is actually released. Over at HotAir.com, Allah Pundit says gun control is a misnomer for this package, for the framework. Most Republicans, including the lead negotiator, John Cornyn, oppose any measures that are going to limit law-abiding people's access to guns. That includes banning under 21-year-olds from buying AR-15s even though they've already been, uh, they're already barred by federal law from buying handguns from licensed dealers. What this package aims to do is what we might call lunatic control, not gun control. Congress is going to spend some money to try to get America's fringe crazies the mental health treatment that they need and failing that to prevent them from getting their hands on guns. That's all up hunted at hotair.com. Oh, sorry, I forgot to say. Trigger warning. He called... He called some people crazy. And you're not allowed to do that because that's stigmatizing and you could hurt their feelings. 
Stephen Gutowski over at The Reload. This guy is fantastic on the gun issue, and uh, he has offered his expertise and services to journalists. For real, like he goes on Twitter and says, if you are writing stories about the gun issue, please send me any questions you have. He has like a, a like a primer or primer, 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 primer is the paint, primer of the book. Anyway, he uh, he, he he does like a, a crash course for ignorant journalists. I mean, he doesn't call it that because yeah, I mean that would yeah that'd be offensive to them. But he says it's hard to imagine the gun rights groups getting on board with this framework, but it is just a framework. So maybe it'll change, and maybe Republicans will buck the gun rights movement on this. Now, get this. Allah Pundit goes on to say at HotAir.com, Democrats are worried about giving Senate Republicans political cover. What? Yeah. So in the Democrats' mind, this is what they're thinking. If we agree to any of these provisions or all of the provisions, no matter what form they take, if we agree to this, that's going to let Republicans run around and say that they've done something. You know, and that's really what... The screaming is about in the immediate aftermath of any kind of mass shooting event is we need to do something. And then Republicans are going to be able to say, well, we did. We did. For Senate Republicans, this deal, he says, will be their get out of passing further legislation free card. So this they, they're just going to say we did something. We're done. So the Democrats are worried that if we do this, the Democrat or the Republicans then get to say that they did something and then they're never going to do anything ever again. On the other hand, there's more to the deal than the grant program. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said the expanded background checks is meaningful. She's kind of opposed to it now because it's racist. And if Democrats kill the bill because it doesn't do enough, that in and in itself will provide tremendous political cover for Republicans, too. They'll say, look, we tried to cut a deal with them and they refused. Will some Democrats believe that it's essential to break the ice with Republicans on gun legislation in hopes of convincing them to do more after the next 10 massacres? Right? Because, like, Murphy, the Democrats, they'll just say, clearly what we did in 2022 was not sufficient. We'll have to do more, right? So do something will become do more. But then again, maybe they just prefer the issue. Maybe that's sort of the reason why they they say that January sixth was a coup and they were they're going to you know destroy our democracy, but now the Democrats are turning around and funding the campaigns of January sixth attendees that are running for office. Yeah, did you know that? Yeah, they're trying to get them elected. <laughs>